0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the start. I'm Patrick. I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you taking time out of your day Uh, to spend some time with me and my guest, Carl Stanton. Carl, I don't know if you guys know him. Um, He's been in the game for a really, really long time. Like you, every time you listen to a song on the internet, there's a bit of Carl in that song. And I'll explain in a second. Um, And he'll explain even further in the episode. Carl currently is Director of Engineering at Huge, which is an agency that's throughout the country. Um, they have a few offices internationally as well, but they're based in Brooklyn here. They do some pretty awesome stuff. Um, I'd give you their client list, but you can look it up online. And that's not really as important as, as Carl is today. Um, the reason why you know Carl is because as a kid, and I say kid, you know, he wasn't an adult. He was probably a teen or 12 or something like that. He was in talks with the consortium at the time who was helping organize the naming structure for mp3s so no that doesn't mean that he created mp3s what that means is when we were all younger and we would put a cd into our computer the songs had a particular naming structure so it would be like in sync was that it? Would say in sync dash album name dash song name dash track number. He was a part of the consortium that helped create that structure. He's if that doesn't tell you how long he's been in the game, then maybe the fact that he was a part of the internet when he helped build a Microsoft network. He left the internet to go be a DJ. He went back to the internet. Then actually, then that's it. Um, then he stayed in the internet. Carl's done a lot of stuff. By the time he was like in his 20s, he had 12 years experience. Carl didn't go to college. He played on the internet as a kid, got a job in the internet as an adult, got a job as a DJ as an adult, and then went back to the internet, even though I just said that. But still, Carl is a pretty cool dude. You know, his story is honestly less about his professional work and more about how he's come to this point, as most of these are. But we talk a lot about some of the things he did did as a kid and- while we were talking he's sort of looking back on it and and connecting the dots but this episode it's super fun it's it's incredibly candid we did it on site at huge so you might hear some noises in the background please overlook that i promise you it won't take away from the story but carl's done some crazy stuff you know he's an australian guy living and working in new york city it sounds like to some extent that was always the goal but he's he's unique in that The only thing he's done in his professional life were things that he's loved. And those two things were programming and music. And that's pretty much it, you know, with with the exception of like um, jobs you do when you're in high school and stuff. But he's it's great to meet someone who's been in in this industry and has so much skin in the game as he does to actually hear those stories of, of the days when the web was sort of first starting in a more commercial sense realistically a lot of our a lot of the guests that have had this far don't have as much experience as he does and that's not that they're uh less experienced or that they're not as good it's just a different kind of experience carl happens to be a little bit older than probably some of our average guests are and he's done this for a really long time like i said it's a really good episode i hope you guys like it before you listen i want to say before you start listening rather before we get into it i want to say one last thing thanks for listening thanks for taking time out of your day to uh spend some time with me and carl I would ask that if you don't already, share the podcast with a friend, tell them about it, tell them about this episode, tell them about all the episodes, subscribe if you don't already, rate the podcast, and then if you're feeling really special, give us a review. It'll help us a lot. Uh, Without further ado, here's my chat with Carl Stanton, Director of Engineering at Huge. This is the start. Hey Carl, how's it going? Good. How are you on this snowy, crappy day? Um, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's been a big week. Yeah. Just been boxing at Gleason's. And now we're doing beer, so You went gonna, boxing today?
0: Yeah. How intense is that? It get intense. Really? That's- I've thought about doing boxing, and some of the, like when I worked over by like, uh, Madison Square Park, really? and some of the reviews are basically like, if you're really good about being by yourself a lot, it was like a more like popular overcrowded gym. So I guess you like barely saw the instructor. Mendez, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's right on the top of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've gone to Mendez. Is that the, do you go in the city or is there Mendez over
1: here? No, it's, I, I'll alternate. So right now I'm going to Gleason's cause it's winter and I can just walk from my desk across the <laughs> hall and I'll be hitting a heavy bag in like 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Or in the summertime
0: because I live near Mendez. I'll, okay. I'll walk. And now are they the same gym or are they different gyms? Different gyms. Okay. That's cool. I've never, how have you, so I just did no sugar from January 5th to February 5th, Mm -hmm. lost 12 pounds, Mm -hmm. which I was like, I never wanted to give up sugar. I was like, ah, it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like I'll Mm -hmm. just work out. So now I I like, I believe the hype. Now I guess not hype, the reality. Have you, are you going to boxing for like, to lose weight? Or are you going... I've dropped 25 pounds. Holy shit.
1: In how long? In six weeks. What? <laughs> well, what, what are
0: you eating? I, I, well, you're probably not eating shit though either. No, I've completely stripped diet. Now, is that in place by you or is that part of like the program you're doing with the boxing? No, it's just all by
1: me. I just, <laughs> you know, read about good, good diets and then looked at, you know box three times a week oh wow but then huh. but then there's also i go do cardio in the in the morning because that's not boxing as well so it's like f- almost five days a week what do you do for cardio At maximum
0: elliptical okay i yeah. i had one friend and this is really mean to say but i'm going to say it anyways he asked me if people who are overweight finish the marathon and i was like i don't know I looked, looked at like finish line photos and I was like, yeah, they do. And he, his response was they run upwards of 20 plus miles in 10 months and they're still overweight. He's like running is not exercise. Um, he, yeah. this guy, he's also got like 0% body. Fat. He's ripped, he's, yeah. but he's one of those guys that's like, he can tell you everything in the food and he can tell you how the food breaks down in your body. So he's really involved in that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And realistically, the point that he was getting across was, and it doesn't sound like you do this. People, uh, individuals who do like long distance running and continuously do longer, their body just sort of plateaus because at that point it's endurance. It's no longer, Mm -hmm. the way he explained it is like, and you know, none of us are scientists. Basically when you start running for stamina, you're no longer burning Mm -hmm. fats. Mm -hmm. You're just like, I don't know. Same with boxing. Like when I, I noticed a massive decrease, but then Mm -hmm. I was putting on
1: muscle. Okay. So you need to it's the same thing, right? If I'm working my torso and my arms, yeah. My first injury in boxing is a rotary cuff. Oh really? Injury, but that's because I've never had a muscle there.
0: Okay. And yeah, now I'm, use, and now I'm building muscle there. Yeah, i using yeah. it. And you don't have it anymore.
1: And now it's, now I have rotary cuffs that are okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's only been f- six weeks of intensive boxing, mm-hmm. but you can tell straight away. So yeah, it's the same thing. Like, I can only strip so much fat before I start. My yeah. body changes to adapt to the world. Yeah, I,
0: mean, I think for all of us, especially those in, like, design development, we sit at desks all day. So you have that, like, that like superfluous level of fat that if you just start eating better, it's going to go away. Yeah. And then you probably start getting down to, like, the fat you've had for a while. Mm-hmm. And then that fact, and then baby, you know what I mean? Like That's baby, where I am now. Yeah, like, it's, the last 10 is always the hardest to lose because it's yeah. the 10 that's been there the longest. Yeah. And it's it's like a tenant who doesn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're in huge today and listeners, if you hear noises, um, it's some fire alarm thing. No one's going to die. They're just testing something. So I want to say thanks for letting me come and chat with you. Yeah. I want to know how you got to where you are huge, but first I want to know is you work at huge. What do you do at huge? I'm the director of engineering. Well, one of four directors of engineering here. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, the easiest way to start is say you don't speak like a typical American. Okay. So, and by that you have an accent. So I'm assuming you're not from here. Maybe you are. Where are you from? Australia. Okay. Yeah. I guess we can go back to the earlier years. What ended up bringing you to the U S or I mean, I'm sure there's like a lot in between there and and, and now, but We've got time. Well, we've got about an hour. Yeah.
1: So the question: What brought me here? I was actually living in Stockholm before New York. So the company I was working for had an office here in New York and okay. I'm also in Stockholm. But mm-hmm. because you probably hear about this as we continue our conversation, but I never went to university. Never, don't have a degree. Okay. I was straight out of high school working. So. Wow. It was really difficult for me to get in the, web the, development. Yeah. Oh, shit. So was really, okay. I couldn't get a visa, but because Stockholm, you didn't have a degree. Yeah, well, it, the timing and the things that you have to jump through and all this uh, stuff. Okay. It's a long conversation. Um, we can touch on it if you're interested, but it's easier for me to go to Stockholm because they have very relaxed immigration laws, and they actually are okay. looking for immigrant workers. Okay. Because it's a smaller country and everything, so mm-hmm. they're like, "Yeah, dude, come on in." You know, within a week, I was sitting at a desk in Stockholm working away,
0: you know. And were you? So you mentioned that you were at a company that had an office here. Did they also have that office in Stockholm? So yeah. you stayed with the same company? Yeah. Sweet. What were you doing?
1: Web engineering. Yeah. What year was
0: this? 2008 to 2009. So what, what constituted is web engineering then? And I only say that because in the past year, there's been like a million different frameworks that have popped up. Uh, people actually use SVG images and then like, and, like, 2004, it was still barely – people were just learning, like, to remove table layouts from, like, front end.
1: Oh, yeah. It wasn't even called engineering back then. Yeah. And that's weird to say back then as 2008. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's changed so dramatically. It's a completely different bowl game now. But, yeah, it was just building websites. Let's okay. just call well, it that. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> I feel like at that point, it's still – what right? Like, now you're not building websites. You're building – Web platforms or web apps. Yep. I think back then it was, for the most part, yeah. relatively static websites. Uh, I wouldn't say relatively static. Well, static st- in the sense that they're not like real-time updating web apps that are like right. Yeah, super no, connected it's like like e- and stuff. It's like e-commerce stuff, shopping yeah.
1: cart stuff, entertainment stuff,
0: like, yeah, things like that. What got you into web development? Uh, I don't feel like anyone – no yeah. one's parents are ever like – Carl, here's your computer. Learn how to build applications, right? It's always... I mean, some of the past guests, it's like I used to play video games on them and I got bored, so I wanted to hack them out a little bit more. Or, you know, I hung out. My dad was a programmer. You know, there's always something. So I'm curious if there's anything for you. I'm trying to think back, like, what got me onto a computer because as soon as I did, I was,
1: like, already... I was just fascinated, I guess. I was just coding and making things. But this is going back to when I was a teenager... My parents had a stupid old computer, yeah. so I used to kick them off and just play
0: around. <laughs> um, dial-up days? You pick up the phone?
1: Yeah. This is what I'm, I'm talking, 90, 92, 93. I How old were you then? I would have been 12. Okay. I, would, I had bulletin board systems. I was a sysop, so that's, oh, wow. that's kind of what really triggered. This is like pre-internet, so all I could do, yes, dial-up days, FidoNet, all these old networks that I used to dial into and have really high telephone bills. And, you know, my parents asking, why are you calling the United States three times a week? Because back then that's expensive. Yeah. You know, um, so but it's,
0: it's... Did your parents have any... So I asked this because we had another person who was very early on in their life. They were interested in the internet. And, you know, if you think back in the 90s, when you... When a parent heard that their kid was on the internet, the first thing I thought about was like some pedophile was gonna find them in a chat room right so there's like these back then and granted it was sort of like a, um, a wild wild west. I mean it still is a wild wild west but even then it was very even it was more unknown mm-hmm. what were your parents thoughts about you like just the fact that you were interested in this thing that they had no idea about and it was still really new um I think because I'd been running bulletin boards mm-hmm. for
1: many years like I think the internet really picked up in Australia in like 95 96 okay. I think it was mainstream right. But by then, my parents had always just seen me in a room talking to people. Okay. Through this box. Through this box. And, you know, by then, I had my own telephone line, and I had to pay, have a job to pay for it. Because they oh, got, really? Yeah, so that type of thing.
0: Wait, how, what's the legal age to work in Australia? Oh, it would have been, yeah, 15 and a half is when... What were you doing? I'm packing shelves at a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> so you would go to school, after school, go to work, or maybe on the weekends, and yep. then at night or in free time, you were basically supporting your work habit by mm-hmm. the internet well yeah yeah that's not that's kind of true yeah um so yeah
1: when the internet came it, it i actually downloaded an executable that isp had started uploading to bulletin boards and it was like you literally double click it and you put in your credit card information and then boom you have you have the internet um. So that sounds because yeah, I did not have a credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we use you know credit card generators. Oh, because, really? Because back then credit card generators uh, were so easy to use. And just, oh, I guess
0: there probably weren't. There wasn't as intricate like no, no. like checking any of that kind of stuff. Just pro- they're just probably doing a regex on
1: on whether it's you know sixteen numbers and if it's Mastercard Visa and we just generate a card get half and an then they would just bill it or whatever and realize that they couldn't actually bill it. Sorry police but <laughs> <laughs> this is what we did back in the day man this is what young kids were doing we are swapping
0: credit card text
1: files to get the internet
0: Dad's so my first foray into the internet was i mean I, every I, for me so in 98 i was in fourth grade to give you context of our mm-hmm. time relation mm-hmm. um i grew up in florida mm-hmm like middle middle class lower middle class whatever it was perfectly fine but in Florida you have like summer nights so I was outside and when I was inside it was like I think my first realization that the internet was pretty cool was when I watched a song download like the the, the cable guy had just left we just got like mm-hmm. high speed internet mm-hmm. broadband or whatever it was mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. and I watched a song download in 45 seconds mm-hmm. and that's when I realized it was cool and that's all I used it for at the time uh, and probably porn at some point like every young male ad- <laughs> kid I remember,
1: to my my claim to fame. It's, you know, when you you look at like Ask Reddit or something, it's like, what is something you you that's true but people mm-hmm. don't believe you? Yeah, it's I was in um, the IRC room for MP3s as like the MP3 consortium were deciding what is the best way to name an MP3 file. Oh wow! Like back then, wow. do you MP3, still have that? Act- I mean, I don't have those logs. I think they're at uh, my parents' place, but I did would be keep them. So cool! Yeah, but it was like. People were just putting out all these MP3s, but there was no like
0: normalization
1: of the file names, and so we were in there chatting about, well, let's just call it like artist title. I and mean, if it was a part of an, if you're ripping an album, it would be you know track number dash um,
0: title dot MP3, whatever it is now. That's crazy. See, what, what, that's hard to believe, but it's true. No, what's nuts to me is that people sat down and talked about that. Yeah, and and not, not that it not that it shouldn't be talked about, but like. Some of that seems intuitive, but that somebody felt it was important enough to bring to a group of people. I don't know. That's just I, I
1: did a lot of dumb shit as a as a, <laughs> as a kid with the internet. I had to, I, I was doing stupid shit, but like that's it's what a young kid does, right? You well, just give him access. It's to stupid me. now, but then you're just sort of curious. Well, back I, I, I mean. Pirated software was not a big deal for a kid. You just yeah. didn't understand the repercussions, yeah, and, and or the legalities behind the legalities it. of stealing music. It's just like, holy crap, the new Rage Against the Machine album is coming out. You're waiting on IRC for someone to put it up, put it up, and then you just DCC it, and off you go, boom. But
0: at that time, though, I wonder if those larger entities, so record labels, the RIAA or whatever, that's the the governing body of mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff, or Adobe, for an example, do you think that they knew the? Impl- I mean, I'm sure they understood the implications, i.e., we're losing money. But do you think that they realized how serious it was? I, I would not until it. Napster.
1: Yeah, but this was like way before Nap Napster was like. By the time Napster come out, for a lot of the the younger. Generation, like <laughs> it was just a nice to have, it wasn't, yeah, because well, you we weren't being, you R- yeah,
0: yeah, RSC or any kind of communication channel. Where'd you store all the files that you downloaded? And I was just thinking that I, I used to take my hard drive because I didn't,
1: I couldn't afford a CD burner, so I used to take my hard drive out. I had two hard drives, one was running my OS, the other one was an eight, 800 megabyte hard drive mm-hmm. that I would fill up, and every week I'd take it to this guy, and he would get all the shit I downloaded. Uh huh. for free and he would burn me a CD well that was the payment that he was the payment so he got all this music and software and all this stuff and I just got my CD and then I wiped my hard drive and went yeah, again and the like out of again for a couple of weeks that's uh, <laughs> I kind of remember like dude, that's, remembering <laughs> that I wonder what he's doing now that guy he was a he was a
0: father and oh really yeah, he was in his late 30s see I think your time in the internet is uh probably if he's going to bring this into to you that's fine yeah um You know, I look at my, like, I'm 26 now. I didn't really get into development until early 20s. Mm -hmm. Uh, My brother's a designer in Silicon Valley. I think back to when I was fucking around, like, down on music, and you were ahead of that. Like, I remember listening to John Borthwick talk, and he owned, like, weddings.com, style.com, when domain names were free. And it's one of those, it's like a back to the future moment, because you're like, it's like when Martin McFly or whatever had the, al- the sports almanac, right? Mm-hmm. Like, now you're like, oh my God, I could have done...
1: I haven't thought about any of that stuff in so it's long. It's probably
0: good because it'd give you like anxiety or stress. Because looking back at it now, you're probably like, there's so much stuff I could have done. Yeah, I guess. I'm heading back to Australia in a week.
1: You should I'm, get the files. I'm got, I've been wanting to dig up my old crap oh. and just... Uh, I, yeah, I used to have my own distribution lists and stuff like really
0: uh, all sorts of dude
1: dumb stuff. <laughs> I dumb mean, stuff.
0: Dumb. To, so I guess what what are you defining as dumb? Dumb as in like incredibly illegal, could have went to prison, or dumb yeah, as completely
1: okay. recu- reckless downloading of pirated material. Yeah.
0: <sighs> I mean, people still do it now. Not any, so. not, not me
1: anymore. Like, mm. You know. Yeah, and, and think, and this is what I. Th- Netflix is so fantastic because I can just pay a subscription. Spotify. I, yeah. I mean, sorry music artists who are out there but well, that's I don't, nice. I'm not up to date as music anymore so yeah. it doesn't wanna... matter as much. Yeah, but it's the, the world's changing you got to change with it. Yeah, yeah that's a, yeah, that's true. I'd rather pay for Spotify and Netflix than, than try and find a torrent to download something.
0: Yeah. Well, on top of that, I remember when I was in college and this was 2007, 2011, um, right before I got there, Someone was being sued by a large record label for the music they downloaded. Mm-hmm. And they were charging X amount of dollars per mm-hmm. seed. Mm-hmm. And it was upwards of a million dollars. And th- I mean, obviously, it's a kid, so like they weren't going to get shit from them. But th- that's when I realized, and that ruckus came out then, too, because ruckus was like, ruckus tried to be safe music sharing for universities because that's where most of the stuff was coming from. Mm -hmm. So you've got a university that has a handful of IP addresses and at my college had fifty thousand students on campus, all trying to torrent shit. So they were coming into place. But it you know it's interesting because you've got to see the internet evolve. Yeah. Right? I've people my age and then people after me, younger than I am, don't know the world or won't know the world without high speed internet, without Netflix, without Spotify, without scary. It's scary, it's scary but it's like I don't know I guess I'm a bit nostalgic in a, in a period appreciate appreciated period I wasn't around for but you correct me if I'm wrong you got to watch thing evol- things evolve mm-hmm. you have a better understanding and contextualization of why things were done in a particular way
1: yeah like if you want to talk about kind of what got me into more web development one of my first jobs was building for the Microsoft network Oh wow! Remember that thing? I don't. <laughs> I don't even. I'm gonna Google this. I'm listening, but the Microsoft Network was like. M- this was when like Windows XP came out, and Uh-oh. and um, uh, no, sorry, Windows 95 came out, and they had integrated Internet Explorer. Am I into the OS? Yeah. Is that?
0: Am I thinking right? Yeah. yeah that's about right. Because right. I had Windows 95. And,
1: and so part of that was Explorer could to get to the Microsoft Network at five dollars an hour. How'd you get involved in that? Uh, I played hockey with a guy. <laughs> and wait, in Australia? Yeah. Alright. Yep, yeah, his name's Caesar. I try to look him up from time to time, see how he's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we played I played um I was sixteen. I was playing in eighteens league hockey. And if, he's like, Yeah, dude, if you ever wanna like Come work, you know, whatever, fifteen bucks an hour I think yeah. I was getting. They were building stuff for the Microsoft Network. New Frontier Marketing was the name of the
0: company. Oh okay. So it was essentially like an agency, a marketing agency it was and it was a guy
1: was- in his house. Oh wow. And Caesar sat in the empty bedroom and that was their business. And this was the this was them selling websites before the internet was even a, a common name. were they really getting business? Yeah. Yeah, they got business. Like, uh, what was I working on? It was some wi- for a wine maker or for the mm-hmm. like Australian
0: government and their wine information portal or whatever it was. And how old were you when you were doing that? You were 16 you 16, said? I think I was 16. And did you realize. I guess probably not. And I'm only saying that from my. Like, knowing my experiences, that like the shit I was doing as a kid, I don't realize how impactful it was. Um, I don't
1: know. I. N- don't know. No, no. I was getting paid, and yeah, that's, that's yeah. what was me out of high school. Was like, screw it. Like, I'm getting paid to do this. So you were out of high school at 16. Yeah, I graduated at 16. Wow. I I was a, I was put up a year earlier. Okay. So I was hanging with all the kids in my younger grade. Yep. Because all the people in my grade were getting you know facial hair and shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like got- uh, I don't. I can't assimilate to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, the girls in the younger grade are pretty hot and gonna hang out with them. Yeah. I'm joking. They're actually some of my bestest friends. But, yeah. That was that, was that man. You just, wow. why why go to college? I actually didn't
0: get in. Really? I, I was, How many places did you apply to? Just one. Okay. Eh. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like you, you had a job. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, and it sounds like you had a job in doing something you potentially wanted to do, or did that even matter? Did that factor in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's what I love to do, I guess. I've never really thought about it in a, yeah. in a reflective manner like that, but I knew that it was fun and I was getting paid for it. Well, so.
0: it, covered, it sounds like it covered two bases that we all look for now, something you like and something you get paid at the time well to do. Mm-hmm. That's, so how long were you there at that House,
1: agency, Oh, business. not long. A month, maybe. And then they couldn't, you know, keep me around or whatever. Gotcha. Um, then I was unemployed. And then... Well, you were
0: also still technically a minor, so... Yeah. <laughs> Living
1: at mom and dad's. You know, hacking away. In the Carl, business. why aren't you
0: paying rent this month? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, Then what happened? Then I actually did... Needed to do something mm-hmm. sort of with my life. So my parents helped me out. And I actually went to one... It, don't know what, how you would describe it, but it was like a, I don't know, it was a short, short course in all things multimedia. Okay. Well, that's what it was at the time, right? Yeah. Multimedia. multimedia. So it was a multimedia course. And I just did that because I needed to do something. Yeah. And I met, uh, you know, one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends met him there and we, uh, just made stuff. But halfway through that, I got another job. Because I was like the only Flash guy in my town who could do Flash and Flash 3. That's a good marketing perspective, right? Yeah. Flash 3 came out and they're like, we need a Flash developer or whatever, a guy who knows how to use Flash. And I'm like, hey, I know how to use Flash. And I got my first full time, nine to five job with a paycheck at the end of every week.
0: How old were you then? I was 18. I'm curious. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, like the typical thing now, and it's not like weird, but you go to college, you graduate 22, 23, then you get a job. What was it like having a, a, pay, a paycheck, I which was a chunk of money? Yeah. I
1: was just thinking, I was just getting a flashback because me and my girlfriend at the time was stoked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, She's like, man, you got money. I get to spend. And you're like, this. I get, money, I I've get never, money. I've never
1: held a check with that much money. And it wasn't much. How much was it? Do you remember? I'm, it's in the realm of 300 and something dollars a week. That's not bad. It's like twelve hundred a month after taxes yeah. and superannuation or four hundred and one k or whatever. Like, whatever. Yeah, back in when you're eighteen and it's an so emerging that's it. market. That's a chunk. It's all right. It's better than packing shelves, right? Yeah, yeah. Like and and you
0: like what you do. Yeah. That's nuts. So, so you were flash guy for a little bit
1: then? For a long time, yeah. For let me think. That was two. That was ninety eight. Mm-hmm. And I would have gone all the way to two thousand and one as okay. a Flash guy. So about three years. About three years. Yeah, I bowed out when I bowed out before Flash Five, I think. Why? Um, I just I actually quit the industry altogether.
0: Okay, is this where the DJ stuff comes yeah. in? Segway. So, what made you say see ya? Um, my old boss, who I'm actually
1: seeing in australia in a couple of weeks because i you know stay in touch with all these people yeah um and there's a life lesson around that which i can you know actually elaborate on I'm, I'm elaborate on um it's just about keeping context yeah. in contact with people but no he he pulled me into his office one day and he, and he was like man did you come to work drunk the other day <laughs> <laughs> did you i was like yeah yeah he's like what the hell man like we were very cool, very honest. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. We we had a very cool relationship. You know, he was a young guy back then, and you know, we always like raged together and stuff on yeah. Fridays, Friday nights. Or whatever. I would imagine he was young,
0: but probably older than you. Yeah, I was. Okay. I
1: was twenty. He would have been 34. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Look, man, the DJ thing—it's—it's it's affecting your work. What do you, uh, what do you okay. want to do?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm—I mean, by then I'd been working." 2001, five years already mm-hmm. in the industry. So I'm, and I am was 21 years old. I'm just finding electronic music and yeah. everything around that. We, so I was like... You're
0: growing in the way that a 21-year-old should grow, but you've started a 10-year that somebody at 25, 26 would just be starting. I guess. That's a way to look at it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it was like, all right, well, I'm going to cut the cord. I'm actually going to just pursue this yeah. music thing. Um,
0: and it was house music, you said, or electronic Oh, breakbeat mainly. What is breakbeat? Sorry, I don't... <laughs> I, I know what music I like, and I have a little idea of what that music is, but after that, I am ignorant to... I wonder if I could play you. Yeah, play it. Play you some classic... Do you
1: have any ear mixes? Uh, Not on my phone, but they're around on the internet.
0: Um... What was it? What name did you go by as a DJ? <laughs> uh, Lint. L-Y-N-T. Lint, like pocket lint lint yeah but with a Y
1: yeah, yeah yeah from my stupid days of being a wannabe graffiti artist
0: oh you did that too so <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome um <laughs> yeah it's, it's like you're an internet renegade plus like oh, I was like Re- a young kid yeah
1: alright let me find a good one for you this is this is a classic okay who's it by Bushwhacker Bushwhacker <laughs> Bushwhacker, W A C K A. No, it's
0: W A C K A. Oh, okay. Oh, okay.
1: This is this is a a classic tune. Anyway, for anyone who listened to breakbeat in the two thousands, we know this.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds familiar. But
1: anyway, it's not house music. It's not drum and bass. Somewhere in the middle, it's an easy way to explain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
0: it sounds a lot of the music that I listen to. A lot of the music that I listen to when I work is in that realm. It's not dubstep. shit. I, I call it dubstep shit only because it's like, in my opinion, it's, it's like there's one format. It's very repetitive. And granted, I don't know much about that, so yeah. that, that's my take on it. Yeah. But a lot of the music I listen to is Ratatat, Tycho, RJD2. Um, I've been listening to a few other. Do you know Miami Nights, 1984? No. You. Uh, it's a little bit more poppy than. Think of. Miami Vice in the 80s and okay. that's the music emulates that era but it's all electronic there's no lyrics I can't listen to shit with, with lyrics because then I can't pay attention to what I'm doing right
1: Tycho I used to sell his artwork really? like nah 2003 or 4 or something what? and I, I'm just it's so stoked to see him actually finally like people he's at a regular name now I'm like, yeah
0: he sells out back in the day I love his stuff it's that's so funny good for him <laughs> yeah uh I like his stuff a lot because it's like I mean just like any of it um, any of the instrumental I call it instrumental I'm sure it's got a proper name Uh, anything without lyrics I like because you can it becomes your like life soundtrack like you could walk in the street to Tyco or to Ratatat or anybody and now it's like as if you're in your own little movie right like there's Mm -hmm. music playing in the background you're doing whatever Mm -hmm. you're not like dancing to a Rihanna song you're just like it, it becomes a part of what you're doing at least that's how I see it that's probably, like, a really, like... Yeah. Musical is emotional for
1: me, so... Yeah. That's kind of why I still keep this old music on my yeah. phone, is sometimes I like a flashback. But most of the time, I I know it's there, I won't do it, because it takes me down a road... Okay. ...that I'm not always ready... To or, go down. ...or willing to go down if I'm on my way to work. A road you know of what, what kind, like... Just memories and things I was, you know doing at the time or yeah. the type of person I was or the people I was with or what the music made me feel and all this type like it's yeah, quite yeah, yeah. a big chunk of my life it's oh, like true. it's like eight years of that's of- how
0: long you're a dj yeah how I don't know how the dj world works but in a scale of success where did you fall um and by that I mean like you've it- got like these high-end like festival headlining dj and I don't know if that's realistic and then you've got DJs who just like work out of a bar. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I don't so know anything to, about that world.
1: An easy way to say that without sounding like a douchebag is those headline DJs. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's a much more commercial enterprise than okay. to what it was when I yeah, was yeah, around. Yeah. And the sense. music and the people that I was playing with, it's a much more underground scene. It's a very small amount of like, there's only a certain amount of people who would know what that thing yeah. is, but that certain amount of people were like, way into it yep so when the guys who make that music would come and tour mm-hmm. I would be their support with other support DJs from my area right gotcha. so in terms of success all those names were headlines in our underground world sure and I would be supporting I would be playing before them or afterwards at pretty much most gigs okay for the last couple I mean of that's, years. that's pretty damn successful it sounds like I never thought of it as success well because it's it's yeah it's it's such a it's because it's such a passionate group of people. It's super clicky, you, and it's really easy to come off a of sounding like an asshole. Yeah. Or hey, I'm successful. I'm blah 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 blah. Yeah, really, yeah. it's not about. It's just.
0: Well, it sounds like that me. was never the that was never the goal in the first place. I would. It imagine. was. It was.
1: It was the. For someone like me who has an emotional attachment to music and just loved playing the music, yeah, that was all just good stuff. Yeah. Exactly. That and was you all just, just like had holy a lot shit, of fun yeah, doing yeah. it. Yeah, and I keep in touch with most of those old. DJs yeah. those headliners because they're still working in that same space yeah so when I go to London or when I you know when one of them come over here I'll, I'll make an effort to go say hey and, and everything yeah. stay in touch with them but yeah that that was that but it wasn't just DJing as a full time job because that's in, that's pretty much impossible from living in Melbourne where I was living at the time unless you were playing in, you know pop music and in, in nightclubs five times okay, a week. Gotcha. Seven yeah. Seven nights yeah. a week. But I was playing at a residency at one place called Black Hat for six years. Oh wow. So um, with a friend of mine, Lucas Chan. If you're listening, hello. I played at a nightclub called Revolver, which is still going for I don't know, seven years maybe. Oh wow. Um I had a so I, I played Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. My Sunday morning spot was 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. every Sunday. Who, who is out at that time? People were
0: were waking up and coming to this nightclub at that time. You know they have that in New York. Like right. they have uh, like morning raves, essentially, and they're like they start at five, they end at seven. It's fucking out in Bushwick somewhere. I'll I'll send the link to you and I'll I'll link it in the show notes. I don't know. I I think it's called Daybreaker. That's what it is. I'm going to write the sounds so I do not forget. Cool. Well, this nightclub didn't close. Oh, uh, from Friday night until Sunday night. It was 24 hours. (laughs) That's yeah. That reminds me of like, do you remember, I think it was the movie Fifth Element and it's like this weird like pseudo futuristic like alien-esque people dressing like crazy. That's what I envision when I think of a nightclub that doesn't close. It's like, you got all walks of life doing whatever they want just meandering about having fun. Yeah, so it, it had its ups
1: and downs. Oh, dude, I'm sure it could be amazingly seedy or mm-hmm. amazingly awesome, and you just have to take take the good with the bad. It's a
0: did you um, did you end up ever like traveling? So I know you said that you were support locally in Melbourne, but um, did you ever end up going anywhere with any of these with any of your friends or any of these larger acts? Or anything? I played in
1: other cities a bunch of times, and mm-hmm. played in other countries a small amount of times, but. It, it, you know, credit to those people who are still doing DJ work. Unless you're writing music, you're you're just playing someone else's. So, in terms of getting known and a following, yeah, you gotta make music, right? Yeah, you well, you need you need a reason for people to know your name.
0: So, would you say the same? It can apply to like Girl Talk or White Panda, and they're like mainly mashup artists. I guess it's sort of like a they made those mashups. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's totally fair. So yeah. people want to go hear that and hear yeah. them and, have, and, you know, et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But for me, as a working DJ, my job was to keep the crowd buying drinks. Yep. You know. Okay, that's fair. dancing and yeah, coming yeah. back every you week. You had a purpose
0: in, and playing music was a part of it, but there was a larger, I guess, business purpose every night. Well, yeah, I got to get paid and they were only going to pay <laughs> DJs who bring numbers and people in, right? Yep, that's
1: true. So, you know, you need a following and... I had a following, and that was it. You know, boom. That works out. But um, during that time, though, I was working, I managed a, a small record store, oh, which was wow. at the back of a larger sort of record store called mm-hmm. DMC. So I sold um, like breakbeat, drum bass, and hip hop and stuff like that. During those three years that I worked at that shop, I rebuilt their e commerce. I got my and got my kept myself entertained with with internet. So I was writing like this thing was built in ASP like classic ASP. Yeah. And I wrote scripts that would publish their point of sale software, which was uh, MYOB something like that. Mm -hmm. It, It would that ran an Excel database. So I would publish that Excel no, the access database to the server run a script on the server which pulled out all the info on all the new music and all the and quantities and all that type of stuff and then presented it on a website and I think we we'd pulled in like crazy thousands of dollars because ordering
0: this is how far back this is like ordering records on the internet was still a new thing. Well there was what was that there was a website that Amazon ended up purchasing and it was it was strictly just e commerce for buying CDs. I think it was C D now. Yeah, right. So was it, it was around that time or before it was around that time? That's, and I remember like, I had friends who were like scamming like this mail over CD people and that's just shit that doesn't even exist anymore. It's like, you don't even, that's, yeah, that's over. I was playing basketball at the park when you were doing that kind of stuff. (laughs) So you were, you're DJing full time working at, well, what, what's the equivalent of full time in the DJ world? Mm -hmm. You were also supplementing that by working at this record uh, store. Mm-hmm. You're still scratching your itch of development. At what point did you decide to go back? Um, when I got let go from
1: the record store. Oh wow! And the, this is—I'm kind of a victim of my own devices because around that time, people stopped buying records online and started downloading illegally. Downloading Ill- illegally music. and sharing music, right? Yeah. And part of that problem is my I, my boss couldn't afford to keep me because I wasn't moving
0: records. Because you helped name or set up the, the naming syntax for all those MP3s. <laughs> right, but <laughs> but the technology
1: from DJing got better. You could use MP3, you could use CD. Like, I stopped carrying record bags around. I just carried a CD wallet yeah. and I had to blag my way into nightclubs because they didn't believe I was a DJ because I didn't oh, have any records. Like really? But that was like the beginning of the end in the record store which yeah. was, was an institution very well known is yeah. no longer there unfortunately it it actually ran the dmc uh turntable championships in australia and then would fly the winner out to play to work oh, wow. in the world championships so, so they were they were really they were
0: it sounds like a keystone in, in yeah, that man, community been there for 20, wow. 20 years or something before i got there or whatever so and the the dominance week. of the
1: internet at that time is sort of what we were trying, man. Like we were trying to th- to compete mm-hmm. with everyone else who was trying to compete with everyone else about selling records online and, and making That's crazy. And that we couldn't get licenses to sell
0: the MP3s from the distributors because the distributors are like, "Screw you, middleman! We'll just, we'll sell, just it. sell them straight. We'll yeah. just sell them straight from our website, and then they can sell them probably at a slightly lower cost because they don't have to cover any any additional overhead." Exactly. Wow. Yep, so then that was it. The record store
1: was dying, and then I'm like, well, I've got to get back to yeah. to reality a little bit. Um, How old were you when that happened? That happened? Oh, 26, maybe.
0: Yep, about then. And then you went back in. So, 26, you just got laid off because the shit you did when you were younger probably helps you get laid off later. (laughs) That's a weird way to look at it, but yeah. I mean, it's not, you didn't do anything bad, right? But it's sort of just like the stuff, interestingly enough, the stuff you were interested in as a kid played a large role in your life later. Yeah,
1: and by then, by the time I was working in a record store, because I was suffering from selling music, my attitude completely changed in in the world of what music meant in terms of purchasing sharing and all that stuff because all of my friends and artists who would come and tour they weren't selling records either so yeah. I was trying to start a uh, the campaign I was started at the time was called Shop Local mm-hmm. and it's and oh, it's
0: interesting that's an Am- uh, American Express thing now
1: yeah but I was doing it in the 2000s yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I was really trying to be an advocate for people to purchase music and not share it because I was a victim oh yeah. not me personally but I was in, yeah. in, I was in a circles people, with yeah. the victims so Um, that completely changed my attitude towards it, you know? And then, you know, years later, Spotify came out and I just subscribed to them, right? Yeah.
0: Still. Yeah. Spotify makes life a lot easier. It's still, and I don't know your feelings on this. I'm all down for Spotify because that means I don't have to, I don't have to cover any hard drive space on this guy on my computer or on my, not as much on my phone, but it still sort of irks me a little bit that. You still have the musicians that are only getting a slice of the pie. I know, that's, that's... And they're doing 100% of the work. Yeah, I know. That so, sucks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look
1: at look at bands like Radiohead. They make millions when they sell their albums online. So there was always avenues. Yeah. Well, Radiohead
0: did, like, direct, right? Yeah. But the, the interesting thing there, though, is that very few, like, some of your buddies who might not be super, super mainstream, they can sell their record online, but it's probably not going to be enough to cover expenses I would imagine that's why touring gotcha that's why tour that's why artists tour that makes you get your money from that yeah yeah
1: yeah. Um, but yeah I mean I I ran a I ran a radio show for three years too on Kiss FM like every Monday at drive time so when I had to get back into work it was I was caught with the same sort of question right what are you going to do you're going to give it you're going to go one way and give up everything or you're going to try and balance both
0: by everything you mean...
1: You just have to quit DJing and just... Gotcha. That that life has to end. Yeah. And... And it was going to be either the radio show or back to the web stuff? Yeah, because I couldn't leave work at, at 5 o'clock to beat traffic to get to the radio show. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And now I may as well play a little gig through the middle of the week and then yeah. I come to work tired and then... It all sort of... Sti- like Or I have to travel and, and I can't like, do my gig and I have to... You know, it's like... Yeah. You, Done. You
0: had seven years of it. <laughs> it was a good run. It was a good run. So but since the fact that we're in this office now, I'm assuming you you picked development. Well, it's the only thing I'd ever done outside of
1: music was yeah. was write code and make websites and stuff. So where
0: you you were out of the industry for seven years, so I'd imagine you a few things. You may have been a little behind the ball, maybe, but it doesn't sound like it because you were still actively developing. But then what about getting back into the workforce? I was I was behind the ball. Uh, tableless I didn't know how to make tableless websites in 2005 uh, you know it's, <laughs> well I had just interviewed with someone earlier today and we talked about the same thing you, you still came about at a time it's not like you were doing it in 95 and then you came back in 2015 because that would have been a huge huge gap there was still a period of time in like front end in the front end world where things were sort of just just sort of meandering you know it was like table layouts and then CSS came about and then there was a period where there was a bunch of nothing happening and then CSS got a shit ton better. Yeah. You still missed out but luckily you, you didn't jump back into it now because then you would literally have I mean, a library right, full of shit to figure Yeah, but figure I, wrote,
1: I wrote like an a e-commerce platform for a record store yeah. during that time. <laughs> and you uh, can't code and, to and, the I, wrote, and like, I had a, my own business called um, Nice Produce or M- Nice Produce for the Australians yeah. listening. Right um what was that selling i had a clothing brand so okay. we sell a clothing brand and also sell like artists gotcha art okay. Art okay. And things like that oh that's
0: where the taiko stuff came in right yeah gotcha because okay. i was working
1: with taiko and selling his stuff there so i had to build and i didn't have to build i could have used the off-the-shelf yeah. platform then you gotta pay for it no i that's i don't learn by, by yeah. download. i have to this is just part of i have to know how it works that's fair. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stay until literally- so two o'clock in yeah. night, and I'm gonna build this thing from scratch. It sounds
0: like the level of curiosity is just innate within you. Well, I had to catch
1: up too. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my buddy's like, dude, how? Why are you using tables? There's this new thing called XHTML 1.0 spec. Like, you should have a look at that. Yeah, and he was like encouraging me to, and I was going, "What about this? What about that?" He's like, "No, that's old school. Like, check, do this." And then because of me having to build that platform.
0: I was like, holy shit, all right, now I've caught up, let's try and get another job. How'd you, so in the instances where you may have had questions and your buddy wasn't around, how did you, what resources did you use to make sure that you were not using, like, old antiquated techniques? Google. Same as I do today. No, that's fair. I, you know, I, like I said, like, during that time, I was, I graduated high school in 2007, went to college 2011, so, for me, the internet at that time, and it sounds like the time that you're getting back into it, was MySpace, Napster. Yep. And like MySpace definitely. There was AIM. no there
1: was no Facebook yeah. that wasn't around. It was MySpace was just kind of, well, I was using MySpace. Yep, my DJ page is still up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah um if you use like the wayback machine
0: like yeah, yeah, I know, yeah you can see it
1: but um yeah that's what i was using to like promote myself oh wow that's so what everyone was using to
0: promote themselves so where did you get that first job after you ended djing well i contacted my old boss the guy that gave you the first fork in the road mm-hmm. nice where was he at at the time uh well my old sorry the old boss
1: who told me i have to make a choice so I contacted him, yeah, and he was still running his still running the business. Oh wow! And he's like, "Hey, buddy, yeah, let's catch up." And I'm like, "Yeah, I want to work. Let's freelance." And he gave me another shot. So nice. Yeah. And
0: what what kind of stuff were you doing at that time? Engineering, front end engineering. Okay, I guess, no maybe. more flash stuff. No. no,
1: no. I was building, yeah, HTML, CSS, writing .net. Yeah,
0: yeah. Sweet. And that was in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So then, what ended up getting you to Stockholm? Stockholm, right? Yeah. Well. Basically, having DJed in a
1: city for so long, kind of made the city small. And sure. when you are out of out of something that you love so much, but you still see it so much, mm-hmm. it, it it was just like maybe now's a good time to like see what else is out there yeah. in the world. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, I love Melbourne dearly, and, and you know, probably be back there one day. You know, but. I was like, screw it, like let's see. You know, I love New York City. I'm gonna look for jobs in New York City, and I found a place. that said, oh yeah, but you can come to Stockholm for a year. I'm like, you're yeah, sounds great.
0: So how is Stockholm? It's awesome. I love Stockholm. You must go. I need to. I've only been to Canada and Dubai. Okay, and that's it. Dubai was really cool, but I was there for like a month. Uh, But it's still like oh, and I've been to Italy, but that was like vacation, so it wasn't like work. like, I was in Amalfi, and I don't know if you've ever been to Amalfi. They basically don't have cell phone service, okay. which it's great, right? Because you don't know what day or time it is if you're on vacation, but like, working-wise, it would never work out. Yeah. Um, so you were at an agency, correct, in mm-hmm. Stockholm, mm-hmm. doing front-end engineering. Mm-hmm. You were there for a year. How did you end up getting to the U.S.?
1: See, they would fly, because of the New York office, they would fly me back and forth we have okay. work on a lot of American clients so yep. I would f- do three months
0: out here or oh wow okay
1: uh, well not three months that's a lie I'm gonna say one month stint was probably my longest and then well go it's back. probably like
0: a tourist visa right something like that yeah,
1: yeah. We, we didn't tell customs that we were working here right no, of course not yeah. We well, just, didn't do that. yeah so we'd do that and um, I kept saying like look put in my application put in my application like I had my my now wife but then girlfriend
0: mm-hmm. still back in Australia going dude you were in Stockholm, she was in Australia, mm-hmm. and you were flying back to America. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, but the end goal, the plan, and part of the, the, the arrangement was like, no, we'll get we'll get to New York, and when you get to New York, you know, when I get my visa, I start looking for work in New York City. Yeah. Because that's where we're going to meet up and everything, but Stockholm was not an option for her, because you need to really speak Swedish. You know, oh, really? In her industry of sales,
0: yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, yeah, because you're dealing with a bunch of local people, you're not. Mm-hmm. So, how'd you end up getting the job here, though, or did it the company you were at in Stockholm ended up transferring you to the New York office. Mm-hmm. How did you... I guess I'm interested in like more of the the finer details of you couldn't get to the US from Australia, so you went to Stockholm. So how did going from Stockholm allow you to get to New York? Um, the, this is where the story gets a little weird
1: because uh, in order to get my visa, I needed to show... like. Twelve years of working relevant working experience. Twelve years. Yes, yeah, it's, it's three because I don't have a degree. It's three years for every one year of a bachelor's degree. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Dude, I had twelve years.
0: Did you? I've got sixteen years now. Oh something. shit! All right, I'm old. So that's that's a crazy. That's a re- stipulation, though. How you can't physically work three years. In one, you know what I mean? Like, like the the it's the math doesn't add up. I know, and the amount of
1: experience you get from a university in one year will never equate no, to three years of ever. It doesn't matter experience. what the fuck you do. I know, even if you study history, it still doesn't equate. Doesn't make sense. No. So what had to happen was I had to contact all my old bosses and had them to like hand sign letters with ink and send them to me so I could present case yeah. and everything. So life lesson is to keep in touch with people because you never know when you got to reach out to a guy you worked for 12 years ago. Just to get a signature
0: on a piece of paper.
1: Yeah. He could tell me to go screw myself. Right. Yeah.
0: And then you're sort of, you're stuck in Stockholm. Then you're done. That's it. Yeah. Right. So, Uh, um,
1: but that process took forever because I had to build a case and I had to have my work experience evaluated by a professor who gives out bachelors of Degrees and whatever it is that I have, so I have an, a bachelor's equivalent because this yeah. this guy's yeah, you know I had to wait for all the paperwork to come. You know, Sweden's a far away from Australia. People sending letters and all that type of stuff. And this was faxing. pre.
0: It sounds like pre digitized days. Like I would imagine those forms are probably accessible via the internet now.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, oh, but the thing is, they could have could have done that whole process um, while I was in Australia, but it, they wanted me to work. Immediately in Sweden, so yeah. said, just come to Sweden. We'll kick off the paperwork, and like once they see how I'm doing, I got to go through a three month trial period, of course. Oh yeah, okay. You know, Ninety days. If he, is he an idiot or is he good? Yeah. And then, um, yeah. They said okay, let's do it. And by the time all that happened, it had been one year exactly. So oh, okay, months. so it was
0: about a nine month process. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Just because you sort of gotta. I'm sure for any country, any any person trying to work there or live there. There's got to be some kind of vetting period to make sure you're not a complete psycho.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, i got to be valuable to the company fans who to want to pay Ooh, And that too, they
0: got to want to put up the money. What agency was this? F- uh, Fantasy Interactive. Yeah, FI, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they go by FI. That's what FI, I yeah. recall seeing. Yep. That's really cool. So then you came over to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And what year was this? 2008. Okay. Uh, 2009. How long were you at that job in in, uh, in New York? <laughs> One year. Still, and were you so at that point you had like 12, 13 years experience? Mm-hmm. So were uh, you, yeah, something like that? Were you still just doing like engineering or were you in a more managerial position at that still point? Engineering. Okay. Yeah. And then you were at FI for a year. What was that your first time in New York? No, my first time was 2006. Oh, because you had you were traveling back and forth. Yeah. So, rather, here's a better way to phrase that. What did it feel like to finally be where you wanted to be? It's good. Of course.
1: Right. You hit a goal. Like it's a goal achievement, life achievement. Was
0: there any, uh, like period of time where you sort of just had to like recalibrate? I know when I first moved to New York, the first week I was exhausted every day because the, the amount of, granted, I grew up in in the central Florida, which is, you know, light years behind the pace of New York. Mm -hmm. So was, did you have to deal with anything like that? Mm -hmm. I almost killed myself the first year I lived here. How? Just trying to do everything. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like you like accidentally ran in front of a cab. No, than, like, no, no, no,
1: no. It's just literally like work hard, play hard. Yep. You're in the big city. Such and such is playing tonight. Gotta go. Such yep. and such is playing tomorrow night. Gotta go. It's only when you realize at the end of the year when you kind of have no money and you're exhausted that those same people are playing again. Yeah. And they'll well, come back. Well, yeah, because like, it's New York, right? It's yeah. like you don't
0: have to see them every time because... It's New York. They're going to come back. Yep. Um, around what time did your now wife end up getting over here? We met in Japan on in around
1: Christmas of two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. So she, we flew back here two thousand ten,
0: January first. Cool. And she had visas. Situ- All oh, situation. No, she yeah. was here as a tourist. She had to find find a job. Oh, uh, okay. And that's got to be I, honestly. I don't know much about that. Obviously, because I don't mm-hmm. have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. In order for you to get a job in US not being a citizen, they have to go through some crap of like proving that you are better than US equivalents of that particular like so, certain US type applicant. of
1: certain type of visas require that. Yeah. Uh, okay. But for Australians, there's a this is why there's so many Australians in this city. Okay. Is because um there's a treaty agreement between the U.S. and Australia, which opened up uh, a lot of sort of easy access for Australians to come to the U.S. So Makes what sense. happened? What happened? No, it's weird. So... Is it really? So back in... I can't remember exactly what year it was, but George Bush was in presidency. Um, <laughs> okay. He... We... It was pre-2008, because yeah. Obama came in at 2008. Right. So Australia... And the U.S. are allies, or allies. Yeah. So uh, George Bush is like, hey, Australia, like, we we want your support in this. And the Australian's like, yeah, we'll send all our troops, but in order for us to send troops, we want to have a fair, like, a, an open trade agreement with you, et cetera. Yeah. So part of that agreement was the E1, 2, and 3 visas, which opens uh, investing, businesses allowed to invest, and all this type of stuff. But the E3 is for Australians to come and work in the United States. It's sort of it's sort of a loophole, but sort of not a loophole. Because yeah. so, it was meant more for people who are in government and working yeah. with the war and all that type but of stuff. But it actually opened it up to everyone. But it's a one way street. It doesn't mean Americans can come to Australia. So
0: Australia might have the upper hand on that deal. Well, yeah,
1: that's again why there's so many Australians here. It's it's once interesting. Once you have a job and you can get an E3 visa. All you need to do is show that you are legally allowed to work in the United States. Wow. And, the, and that you are working for a company that um, is in the field of what your bachelor's degree is. So I cannot... So I have an equivalent of bachelor's degree in whatever it is. Yeah. Multimedia, whatever. I can't come here and work as a farmer or a doctor yeah. or a TV star or
0: whatever. Yeah. Because that's outside of what i that's So, do you have to go through this process? If you were to leave huge tomorrow to go to agency XYZ down the street, mm-hmm. do you have to go through some kind of vetting process each time? Yeah, i got to do it again.
1: Oh, God. That just sounds like a headache. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. That sucks. But then there's, there's different types of visas, which, <clears throat> yeah, they need to prove
0: that you're the only person capable of doing the gotcha. job in the United States. So, all right. No, that's a good... I didn't know that. I don't... You know, I've, I've got some... I have a friend who's from, um, England. And it sounds like he's got something about as flexible. Like he's not in a position. He can, how am how can I phrase this? I guess there are some visas where when a company financially backs you for the visa, if you leave that company, you no longer have a visa. He doesn't have that. His company paid for him to get some kind of a visa that if he were to leave that company, he still has it. I don't know what that is. No, I don't know But I was like, you got a sweet deal, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know some people, uh, you could run into a situation where you're sort of chained to a desk, literally and figuratively, just based on that that visa stuff. Yeah. Um, Well, you could, you know, some
1: visas don't permit you to come back for six months. Oh, really? So You have to um, leave the country for six months and then try again. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to live your life like that, but we do. Yeah.
0: So you went from FI, or Fantasy Interactive, to huge, Mm mm-hmm yep and was there any particular reason was and you know not that you're going to say anything bad about fantasy interactive I'm sure you're not but like were you searching did you want to grow did you want to work on different projects were you just sort of bored um
1: I think it's okay to say that you know I came here because a guy came to FI from here Mm mhm and I was really impressed at what he was doing. I was like, "Wait, <coughs> sorry, a guy from Huge went to FI." Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, and I was super impressed at his work ethic and yep. what he was doing. I was like, "Holy crap! Like that's amazing!" um And for whatever reason, it didn't work out with him and, and Fantasy, and he came back to Huge, and I took that as in like a that's a good sign. Okay, that's yeah, a good yeah. sign. So I'm like, "Hey, buddy, like." get me in for a chat and yeah. I came in for a chat and you know when was that that was 2010
0: and you've been it's 2014 right yeah four, or no I, 15. I, it's 15. I just had my four year wow anniversary yeah and I would imagine you've probably seen it grow a lot I would I would imagine that in 2010 it wasn't no most of this building no <laughs> it's not, I don't know how many people that was Less than half of that too. See, I you know, it, Huge is an interesting Agency to me only because I'm sure At one point you guys weren't huge But now you actually Like, you are, you guys have offices here You have offices in South America LA, Atlanta Etc, etc, etc So you sort of fit it Going from a company that was headquartered in a house to a multi like international mm-hmm. company. I'm sure there's some differences. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's differences.
1: Uh, yeah. I think the best way to kind of talk you through that is huge is always willing to change. It spots if it if it needs to do what's right for itself. You know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, we we grow and we're spreading out, and we need to make changes to be able to support that. Mm-hmm. So we make those changes. Yeah. You know, it's not a place where we're stuck in a in a process. Yeah. And, you know, if we need to reorg, we we'll reorg. If we need to fly these guys out here, and if we need to like whatever it needs to be. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah,
0: and it makes sense because we gotta grow. Yeah, no, that's true. It definitely doesn't sound like that of like you know y- you've got agencies that are like I used to work at Digitas and they were a great company, but they're publicly owned. It's a bit of an older agency. Um, they at the time when I was there, they were still running Lotus Notes. Mm-hmm. So based off of a few of those factors, you sort of get a a, a general idea of how that agency might be run. Not that it's run poorly, but that it's, it's probably got its processes in place. And if you were, it, it'd like be changing a very, very large ship or mm-hmm. turning it. Mm-hmm. And it does, it sounds like you guys still act as though you're not 17 offices, a couple thousand or however many people. Yeah. That's good. That's how it should be. Yeah. Um, so, wow, we're up to modern day. Um, so I guess time for like the, always the final last three questions. The first one is, after 15 16 years of development if you could tell yourself if you could tell your bedroom mp3 chatting days self something based off of the knowledge that you know now what would you tell yourself oh based off the knowledge of what i know now
1: i think if the easiest way for me to answer that would be look at the mark zuckerbergs of the world (laughs) Go build something. Build something and sell it. Yeah. You know, I was doing so much tinkering and I didn't, at the time, social networks didn't exist. Yeah. Applications didn't really exist. We just made websites that told us information or, you know, know, whatever. Information
0: that you probably had to put in there at some point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I would have liked to probably have strapped myself to the desk a little more, but, you know, like
0: stopped. <laughs> no, that's fair. Do you think that um so you you brought up the idea of tinkering and I'm a big fan of tinkering. Um only because it's hard for me to sit down for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Do you think tinkering's a bad thing or are you you're speaking more to the idea of just focusing on one one thing? Yeah. Getting really good at it, gotcha. Yeah. Um but it sounds like you're It sounds like you probably have a specialty, but you are a generalist in a variety of technologies as well. And that suited you pretty well. But I would imagine if you were, like, killer at, I'm making this up, ASP or PHP at that time, you probably would have had a little bit more flexibility in what you wanted to do versus what was afforded to you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that could be fair to say. Yeah. Um, The other question is, um, and I'll phrase this in a scenario, Huge brings in a bunch of kids in college. Um, and you're sitting in front of a room of young, budding, aspiring engineers, regardless of their skill level or age, what do you tell them? I do this all the time. We do 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 this. We we, we do bring in college kids. So what do you tell those college kids? Uh, I don't always want to sound like a know-it-all, but it's really like... Well, you've got almost 20 years' experience. It's all right if you sound... You do know a lot.
1: I think uh, the thing about agencies, and this is why I've always stuck to agency mm-hmm. life, is because you you get to m- sort of make your own way, yeah, a little bit. Um, you you work in a places that where client services first and foremost. Yep, that's the job, but how we do that job is really up to us. Yeah. That's where flexibility lies. And you should be prepared to be able to work in those environments where things change. Your job title will change. What you work on will change. How you do it will change. The clients will change. You know, you're not working nine to five on a product that you're trying to better and enhance and all those types of things, you know, for three or four years. Yeah, Here, you'll be doing that for six to 12 months and then the Rugs pull out and and away you go. How you better yourself at that is making sure that the next project you come, you're not rebuilding everything from scratch. You're you're continuing your knowledge, process, experience, and tool set into something new and making it even better than you did last time. You know, it's always trying to better yourself. It's progress. Yeah. It It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, it's good. It's, it's interesting to hear from your perspective. I, I work in house mm-hmm. and I work on one product and I like what I do. Thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, not everyone can say that, mm-hmm. but I see exactly what you're talking about in terms of the idea of variety or moving forward. It can sometimes be tiring, not a bad tiring to come into work on Monday and then a month later come to work on Monday and I'm working on the same thing. Um, which is good. You get to sort of become a master of that domain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you don't like the flavor anymore, you're sort of stuck with the flavor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. So the last question is the uh, secret fun time question. And that's where I get to make it up. And now I have to make it up. (laughs) You have to pick a career and it can't be any career you've ever done before. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it for the rest of your life until you respectively retire. So till you're 60 or whatever the hell it is, you don't have to worry about, Citizenship anywhere. You can do this from any place in the world. Uh, you can do whatever the hell you want. Money doesn't matter. What do you do? Where do you do it? Oh man, it's gonna have to be somewhere
1: in the northern hemisphere. Okay, because <laughs> I I like the cold. Yeah, and I like the winters, and I like seasons changing. So I don't know. Uh, and Stockholm is such a awesome place. So I really like the Nordic areas. But uh, t-
0: as to do what, I don't know, man. Wildlife photographer, that would be pretty cool. Have you ever seen uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty? No, it's a good movie. Like one of the Sean Penn, I think it's Sean Penn. He's in it, and he is a wildlife photographer. Uh, ben Stiller's character is works in the photography lab at like the equivalent of Time Magazine, mm-hmm. and that's like his main photographer that he works with. So he's in there. And, oh yeah, I'm a huge National
1: Geographic. Oh court, really? So it, to see those guys and their jobs and careers, like that's for the love.
0: Oh, yeah. And they're great at it. Those well, photos are like, amazing. So. That's that's the premise of do what you love and, and yep. you'll get paid for it eventually. Yep. Well, not eventually, but you will get paid for it. Yep. Um, cool. Is there any place... Where can people find you if they wanted to say, hey, Carl, or anything like that? Not on Facebook. Um, Twitter, though. So
1: you don't have a Facebook account? I do, but it's only because I'm orchestrating my trip to Australia with gotcha. my buddies and weddings and yeah 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 just to tell my friends that I got engaged like <laughs> two years ago or whatever yeah 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 so. uh, but you said Twitter Twitter's good what's cross, your cross stand, one word cool sweet yeah I'll put that in the show notes thanks Carl I appreciate it thank you man that was fun yeah it was a good time